You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 181, covering The Die is Cast and Explorers with Amanda Smith. Hi friends, we're back and Amanda's here this time. Hello. It's a great big party for everyone. Yeah, I, I had to get someone from the next room to, to come into this room, so party. That is my definition of a party. I Amanda, we're short a guest. <laughs> I am here for my skills and not for convenience. No, not not in the least. Nope. For your erudite Aero- contributions to Star Trek. Your aerodynamic yep. contributions. Yes. So here's a fun, interesting trivia fact uh, yes. that I learned from... Uh, www.memory-alpha.com, the uh, official wiki of uh, Star Trek. The only and of the post-comic horror podcast. Yes. Um, we are officially at the exact halfway point of all Star Trek. Oh. Woo! Uh, the, this first episode we're doing, uh, the Dias cast, is the... I, I don't remember. I don't have the numbers in front of me at the moment. But if you took all of Star Trek and put it in a big pile, we're at exactly the center. Wow. So I think we're a little further than halfway done because I don't think they count the movies or the animated series, which we've mm. already done. But that's still pretty damn impressive that we've done, you know, half of Star Trek now. Yeah. I saw this and I was thinking about it the other day. It's like, well, at this point, there's no way we're not going to finish it unless one of us dies. Right. And honestly, like, it, it would be sad if you died, but I would mm. continue on with the guests. See, the yeah, problem there I... is that if, if you die, I don't know how to do it. So. Right. No, we're done if I die. But if, yeah. if Matt dies, just bring me in from the other room. I'll be on your Star Trek That's show. That's what I'm saying. You, you, you and all the regulars, like Flonk and Brian and, yeah. and Nathan and Gav, will just be, have to be on more frequently. Well, I assumed that you would be consumed by grief, Amanda. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, delightful. Uh. Just, in just a moment, she's going to talk about how sexy she finds a torturer. Yay! So, uh, gonna, yeah. Married quite a gem there, Al. I sure did. A gem had so, A southern terrorist loving yep. urine advocate. Uh. Urine advocate. <laughs> All right. Well, we, this the first episode we have, like I said, the, the, the center, the, the exact middle of Star Trek is the second part of um, uh, Improbably Because, mm-hmm. which is called The Die is Cast. Also right. the first time that we've done a, a two-parter where it's not just part two. Now, the Dias cast is the D&D episode, right? Uh, I, I think so, yes. No, yeah. because I didn't find it insufferably boring. I actually quite <laughs> it. And it goes a little something like this. We open with Bashir enjoying lunch on the promenade and passionately discussing 24th century playwrights with Chief O'Brien, who could not give less of a fuck if he tried. Thankfully, the Chief is called to Ops, away from what is effectively an I Miss Garrick soliloquy from Julian. In Ops... Dax is detecting huge surges of particles that might indicate a cloaked ship or two or thirty. Oh, never mind. They're all decloaking, and oh, fuck, it's a fleet of Romulan and Cardassian ships. Cisco orders red alert, which is kind of cute because we all know how much good that would do against actual warships with actual weapons. Thankfully, though, the fleet continues on through the wormhole and into the Gamma Quadrant. Well, there's no trouble to be had over there. I mean, we go over there all the time. (laughs) But just to be safe, Cisco calls it into Starfleet anyway. They tell him that under no circumstances is he to follow the fleet... So naturally, he preps the Defiant to do exactly that. He throws it out there that this is a volunteer mission on which they'll be laying it all on the line to rescue one man. Surely he knows by now that the ends justify the means in Starfleet, so as long as they successfully rescue Odo, everything will turn out fine. 
Odo, for his part, is locked in sealed quarters aboard one of the Romulan ships. As a test of his loyalty to Anabrantane, Garrick is ordered to torture Odo. Proving that he still has what it takes to put the Elim in Eliminate, <laughs> and with the help of a new device that inhibits shape-shifting, he does exactly that. And while Odo's entire body is peeling and flaking like me after spending 30 seconds in the sun, somehow Garrick is more uncomfortable than Odo through all of this. All he really ends up learning is that Odo wants his mommy, which isn't exactly useful in terms of hard intelligence. The fleet arrives at the nebula we saw in The Search, and proceeds to bombard the homeworld of the Founders, except... Oh, they're not here anymore. Instead, here's 150 Jem'Hadar fighters. Well, fuck. Thankfully, Sisko and the cavalry, who were briefly delayed by that guy Eddington we met a few weeks ago, whoosh in to save Odo and Garrick and bugger off before things get really ugly for the incredibly short-lived, in every sense of the word, Romulan-Cardassian alliance. And, as expected, nobody gets in trouble for going on this ridiculous mission. In fact, Sisko is threatened with promotion if he ever pulls a stunt like this again. Lousy chief. You're really sending mixed signals there, Starfleet Command. Even Odo seems to forgive Garrick for some reason, and the episode ends with the suggestion that they have breakfast together sometime. I feel pretty confident in saying that this is the most dark and intense breakfast invitation ever committed to film. <laughs> most awkward toast-buttering scene imaginable. <laughs> they, they bring out the uh, the implements of breakfast. Right. And present Lay them. them out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me do this, Odo. I don't want to crack this egg. Can I tempt you with some croissants? <laughs> I am René Abogenois, after all. <laughs> Incredible will, chef. Will this marmalade change your mind about the intelligence? No, please stop! What is this human obsession with marmalade? I have a theory as to why humans like marmalade so much. I am not Dr. Bashir. I don't care about your theories. I don't want to kiss you. Well, Dr. Bashir clearly does. This is, like I said before, I count this and the previous part as just one episode, gonna be in my, like, top five. Like, this is just an amazing story. It it kicks off some incredible things. It's, we These are the biggest space battles we've ever seen in Star Trek so far. Oh, yes. And, and there's still time for lots of long character scenes mm -hmm. it's it's got everything and we thought that battle was going to be a cop-out because they say oh yes there's some ships 150 going ships uh -huh. like, yeah never seen that before and, oh and shit course, there they are your, your instinct is why don't you just say there's a million ships because you're not going to show us <laughs> actually that was my notes say uh when when they're in ops talking about oh here comes a fleet of ships and like yeah okay there, there's a fleet they're uh -huh. sure just trust us and then my notes say oh never mind because then we see them all decloak and go into the yep. wormhole. So, no, apparently that was a production directive. Like we need to stop, we need to start showing and stop telling. Yeah, if we're gonna have a battle. We need to show the fucking battle. I just assumed they were gonna do a wolf um, three five nine thing where we come where in after the fact and see the, the debris, see all the destruction. Yeah, see everyone yeah. turn into skeletons. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. You know, like people do. Right. Well, that's how you describe death. Yeah, that's what happens when people die. They turn into a skeleton. Turned into a skeleton. One giant singular skeleton. Right. <laughs> We're all going there. Yep. We're all inevitably headed toward turning into a skeleton. One, yeah. The, the big skeleton. Right. Yes. That's what I believe. Why is my religion any stupider than anyone else's? <laughs> How did this turn into a religion thing? <laughs> this really, though, as far as like space politics go and as far as advancing the overall plot of the series and just so many good things. Mm. Like we learn. Oh. What's that? It's just so good. Yeah. 
we learn more about Garrick finally. Like, we really get a look into his head, and it's not all the lies. It's kind of down to what he's really about. I'd like yep. to get a look into his pants. I bet you would. I would. <laughs> really get to see that weird curled Cardassian penis? Now, yep. now, did we not give a hard time to an acquaintance of ours for thinking that Gul Dukat is sexy? No. What's the difference? You gave her a hard time for thinking that he was a good guy. And trying to justify what he was doing. Okay, I think fair. that Garrick is a bad guy uh, who is totally willing to torture people. In fact, he says in the episode he does it for fun, not yeah. just because it's his job. Well, yes. And I just that just makes me want to jump in his lap. It really it says something bad about me, but not the same thing. I'm not sure what it says about me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I, uh... good. I don't think I'd look too deeply into that uh, into that well, Al. Probably not. Let's let's start with the good things, bad things instead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Amanda, what was your good thing? Well, this is actually related. Um, my good thing is that usually when you get the reformed bad guys, gotta pretend to torture his friend or actually torture his friend. Um, they they wuss out towards the end. They have a crisis of conscience. Garrick does not. He gets uh, Odo in there and he tortures him and he doesn't want to do it, but he continues torturing him until Odo breaks and that's when he stops. Well, the situation we usually get is what I'm thinking of is the one, uh, the next gen two-parter where Picard was undercover as the archaeologist and Riker had to pretend to be a rogue as well and like... I don't. I think it was Riker had to beat up Picard, or Picard had to beat up Riker, one or the other. Yeah. And they were made really uncomfortable with having to do. Like usually, it's that situation where they don't want to go through with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. This is this is different. No, I mean he doesn't want to. It does not fun for him to torture Odo, but he pushes through it and does it anyway because what he wants is to go back to Cardassia. That's his main goal. Yeah. Right. I think well, it's in, I think it's interesting that Garrick breaks first. Yeah. That it's it's great how Odo gets under his skin like just. Like oh, does this because he knows he knows well, that there's a there's a seed of of discomfort there. It's like does this bother you? Is there something wrong with me flaking apart in front of you? Well, there, there's a scene where uh, Tane talks about how uh, Garrett tortured a guy once by just going in and staring at him for mm-hmm. four hours. Well, and the thing is, we've we've been watching this guy stare at people for three years, and we believe it now. Mm-hmm. Oh if yeah. They, if they told us that in like episode two, we'd be like, who's yeah. this guy? Why uh-huh. why is everyone talking about how outrageous he is? Yep. But, but now it's like yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. Al, you mentioned that um, he went to the same school of acting as Galron, where, no, where you don't blink. Yes, the Galron Academy for, uh, for for taking off your eyelids. Yeah, if you're if you blink, you're thrown out. Right. Um, this actually kind of feeds into my good thing, uh, which is I love the idea, just character wise, of Garrick being tested by being told to to torture Odo. Like it's a great way. It moves the plot forward. It puts him in an uncomfortable position, but it also you know chat like. We don't know anything about Garrick. He's been a big question mark to this point, and we don't know what he's going to do. Nope. And it's a great way to for us to see, is he going to break? Is he going to go through with it? Is he, What's going to happen here? And because of what you said, Amanda, that every other time we see this kind of situation, they cave, we just assume he's going to cave, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, this well, is not like anything I've seen before. The first time I saw this episode, I just assumed, okay, he's going to torture him a little bit, and then <laughs> he's going to have a crisis of conscience, he's going to beat up a guard, and then take Odo out. Or he'll just lie to Tane and say, well, he told me everything. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. I know all the things. And, ah. and the thing is, there's no reason for us to expect that from, from Garrick. No, like, it's just he, that Star Trek's always been written that way. Yeah, that's it's why like, we expect it. He is a Cardassian 
who we're pretty sure used to work for the Obsidian Order. He's killed people in front of us, and yet we're still like, come on, Garrick. Yeah. You gotta rescue your buddy. Well, the thing is, you know, Gene's ideal future, the good of humanity and whatever, but the nice thing about DS9 is they can have it both ways. Yep. Because the Starfleet guys are still like that, so it's not really violating the basic premise of Star Trek, but at the same time, we're following other characters that can be way more gray. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And if you shove someone from the ideal future man future into this setting where they're not surrounded by good people, if you if you surround someone who's kind of all right with a bunch of people who are bad, chances are good they're going to go a little bad. Right. Not necessarily all the way, but it's a lot easier to be a good guy when you're living in a perfect utopian future. Well, and we've dealt with that a little on the show already. Like, that is one of the themes that they deal with. Like, it's much easier to be a saint in paradise. That came from a, of a not great uh, Maquis episode, actually, but that was a good point. Which is much easier to be a saint in paradise than it is, you know, someplace where things are rough. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have guys who are just good guys even in this uh, yeah. situation. But, um, I mean, I, I kind of get the feeling that Bashir, for the most part, will remain sort of a Starfleety kind of guy. Oh, and O'Brien always yeah. will be. And Dax probably always will be. And Cisco definitely will be. But not yeah. everybody. Well, actually, not Cis definitely. Come Cisco... To think. Well, let's not spoil yeah. anything. But, yeah, there's, there's some yeah. ambiguity on the horizon um but I, this is the first time i can think of where we've completely like the main focus was on two guys that have nothing to do with the federation they have no affiliation they have no like these guys are not starfleet guys so we don't know what to expect yeah well you were mentioning it's weird that garrick's not just part of the main cast he's so in the show and i mean he probably gets more screen time than uh like Julian or Dax. Right now, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say so. Definitely more than Sarah Clofton does not appear in this episode, <laughs> yep. which is his name. And that he's more fleshed out. Like, we yeah. know more about the character, not about his past, but about... But now we do know is. about his past. That's the thing. We got a big two-parter that starts to, like, this. these are not lies. Like, he worked for an Aubrantane. He mm -hmm. used to torture people. He worked for the Obsidian Art. Now we know these as facts. Mm -hmm. They believe he betrayed them. Right. No, we don't know what that's about. I don't know if we no. ever find out. What I don't think about. we do. I don't think so. I, I kind of like fine. that. Yeah. 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 We don't have to know every little backstory. No. But uh, <laughs> That's what expanded universe fiction is for. Right. Yeah, I'm sure Peter David wrote a book. Probably. Uh -huh. But overall, I just, I love that we're focusing on, you know, guys where we're not sure what's like, because Star Trek has kind of become predictable because we know how Starfleet guys are supposed to act. Well, mm. the, the trick now is to focus on guys who aren't in Starfleet and we don't know what's going to happen next. And that's that's really cool. I like that a lot. Uh, what was your bad thing, Amanda? Um, I I liked the device kind of of um, you know I, I wouldn't have liked the show if it was just a show about Odo and Garrick hating each other after this event. Mm. But it does seem sort of like they got he got over the torture pretty quick. Yeah. Like if someone tortured me, I probably wouldn't want to go have breakfast with them, even a threat breakfast. But threat breakfast <laughs> the thing is Odo makes it clear through that scene that he knows Garrick has to torture him and doesn't want to and that's he's using that against him yeah like he knows the whole time that this is a circumstantial thing and Garrick's not getting any pleasure out of this so I don't know but still I mean even someone sort of alieny like Odo being tortured isn't nice you probably don't want to hang out with the guy who tortured you well and what I like is that 
Odo first reacts to the idea of being tortured, like, oh, you're going to torture. Okay. <laughs> torture. That's a great scene. Oh, no. Oh, that's I was, cute. I was worried about this. You're going to torture me now. But then they turn on this device that makes it so he can't shapeshift. And yeah. it's like the look of horror. Yeah. Like, this is my thing. My I can always fall back on this. You can't hurt me because I can just make myself liquid or turn into anything I want, as long as it's a mouse or a cup. <laughs> and it's it's like suddenly he's had this one guaranteed thing taken away from him. And he's like, oh, fuck, I can be tortured. Oh, shit. Like, he's intimidated people his entire life. Yeah. And now suddenly he's on the other end of that for the first time, and it is, it is just terrifying for him. It's mm. like uh, in comics when invulnerable guys have their invulnerability taken away, and they're right. kind of, like, wimpy. Yeah. Oh, so shit, now I'm a puss. Yeah, I mean, Odo does have strength of character underneath that. And he is. It proves... Yeah. Like, it's not like when Troy's powers are taken away and she becomes a wimpy wuss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Odo's a wimpy bitchy wuss. And he's still so cool. Yeah. He's still the one that sort of over, you know, overpowers through force of personality Garrick. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, that just. No, no, the fact that he can just sit there falling apart and Garrick's still like, I'm sorry, just tell me, lie to me for Christ's sake. Yeah, tell me anything, just make this stop. Wait, who's torturing who here? Yeah. But that that also speaks to Odo having maybe not full-on tortured people, but pretty close, intimidated and made uncomfortable lots of people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely some interrogation techniques that would be considered suspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what are the enhanced interrogation? Yes. In a ticking clock situation. Ticking clock is that he wants to go to lunch. Yes. And he doesn't even eat. No, he nope. just wants to go to lunch. It's right. my break now. I need my smokes. <laughs> I gotta go to my bucket. <laughs> it's bucket time. Bucket time for Odo. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I love the uh, rotted Odo uh, makeup effects. Yes. Like, he, he like, it's such a simple technique well, that he's like, they basically just brown him up. The Odo effect of morphing and stuff is a little dated. Like, the CG doesn't look great now, but... They went totally practical with this, and it really works. Oh, God, it looks so fucking good. Like, he's just sort of brown, and all of him is, like, he, like his clothes and stuff are all, like, peeling and sort of forming together. Yeah, and, like, his hair, what's left of it is, like, frizzing out, and yep. his, his eyes are way more sunken. And, and then oh, when yeah. he does get to shapeshift again, like, when they turn the device off, um, the, the effect, again, it's not great, it's a little dated, but they make his transformation back into liquid a little halting yeah. like he yeah. kind of falls to his knees and instead of that sort of fluid motion like serpentine yeah. it's sort of shaky and jerky like a japanese horror villain yeah and I, I love the little tiny flakes of him from all yeah, over the, the bits that are like that yeah. crawl up into him rejoining like like little slivers of mercury like yeah it looks really cool it's so cool and the thing is, yeah the cg like you can point at that and say well that's obviously cg but you can tell what's supposed to be happening yeah exactly it's it's it's, it's early 90s cg you know yeah. you take what you can get and the thing is at the time it was like wow they're doing like on tv no less well that's what i'm saying <laughs> like they're doing terminator 2 effects on tv like that's what we thought of it at the time like yeah. terminator 2 effects so it was yeah that, no that was a that was a great scene and definitely made better through uh, Rene Auberjonois uh, acting that's some of the best acting we've ever seen from that guy. Oh say. yeah, and he's a that guy's a pretty strong actor. And every time I read him talking about the character, he talks about how much thought he put into it. Like yeah. some people come on Star Trek and they're just like, ah, it's just a paycheck, whatever. But he really put a lot of work into the character, and I yeah, think it, really it shows. It shows because the character could have been kind of sort of a, a one trick pony or a two trick pony, mouse and cup. Right. Uh, yep. But he's not. 
No, absolutely. And well, that goes back to that whole thing where he didn't want them to re- reveal his origins and, until he figured out what that meant for the show. Right. No, I I, I like that. Um, mm. And I like like some of the acting choices he makes are, are really cool. And like, because you forget, because 90% of the time he's just gruff, sarcastic guy. <laughs> yes. And so when he actually can stretch and, and really play like, you know, tortured guy or whatever when he can stretch yeah i was trying to let that just no he can't stretch (laughs) you can tell because he's like (laughs) why isn't my arm turning into a mouse (laughs) or a cup oh yeah now that he's been to the to the changeling homeworld now he can turn into a mouse and a cup yes like at the same time one arm is a mouse the other arm is a cup must stop mouse on the cup oh god (laughs) uh matt what was your bad thing uh i had my main one is we get a when uh, we find out Eddington uh, sabotaged the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a close up of him looking like the most awkward motherfucker on the planet. Yeah, the shifty eyes. I like... can't. It's it's literally like give him the shifty eyes. That way, people will suspect the dog. <laughs> and the thing is, no one in the ship can see. It's just like the camera knows he's killed. Yeah. no one else. Right. It like it like it like it's cl- it's clearly him. Right. So we don't need we don't need whoever the guy that plays Eddington to be all like, oh god, I hope no one figures out that I sabotaged the thing and until they, like, I tell them. Light his face so he looks evil. Yep. They do everything short of him actually tugging at his collar. Yeah. yeah basically. <laughs> actually, that uh, my my uh, bad thing also involves Eddington, which is the I I understand taking someone at his word, and I trust anyone who wears that uniform, but they do forgive him super, super quick. Yeah. Kira looks so annoyed. Yeah. Like, you're You're just just kind of like, what? (laughs) And just mostly just um, the not visitor behind um, Avery Brooks's shoulder just looking like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Fucking Starfleet people. Yep. Really? Starfleet people. Yep. You know, if this was a Bajoran ship, we'd just put you out the airlock. Now, the thing is... I think I, I buy I buy forgiving Eddington in the long run. I buy I was just following orders and look an admiral told me this and yep. a commander told me this. I got to listen to the admiral. He's got more stripes. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you don't forgive him instantly. No, you, you don't forgive him, him instantly. No, you you confine him to quarters and then maybe in a few episodes you mention, well, we had that business in the Gamma Quadrant, but uh, you're back on work probation. You know, we'll, everything will be fine. You get a counting job for the next two weeks. Right. See, that's that would have been my assumption. You know, like you put him back to work, but once they're back on the station, he that dude's going to find himself with a lot of graveyard shifts. Right. But yeah, Eddington. Like my understanding is, it, when things get uh, shaken up a little in a few episodes, like that, that's Eddington's job. But I, I could be wrong. I don't know. And. I just picture him um, going into his, like, inventory job that he's got to do until he proves himself, and they have Nog Yeah, past Nog him. coming the other way. Yep. Seven, eight, damn it, one. Two. <laughs> well, we trust Nog. He's proven himself. We don't yeah. trust you. Nog's going to check your work. He's a good counter. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my good thing and my bad thing. Okay, uh, what else? I... I want to briefly mention. This is almost my bad thing. I want to briefly mention the uh, the undercover changeling, yeah. who the Romulan guy, uh, maybe the worst shaky cam actor I've ever seen. In <laughs> yeah, Star when Trek. everyone's supposed to lean to the left and he leans sort of to the right. And, he leans yeah. back. Yeah, like he leans back in his chair, like there was G force hitting him instead of yeah. hitting going. Yeah, sideways. everyone's supposed to agree, agree to go to the same way. Like, yeah, that's just how. Yeah. 
And like, I, I like how good Star Trek guys get at doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, the guys on the ship shows have to do it, like, you know, the guys on the Enterprise and then on Voyager have to do it, like, every week. So, yeah. You know. No, there's, um, I watched one of the Will Wheaton mm-hmm. uh, internet shows that he did, and it, it was him and uh, Jerry Taylor who plays uh, Seven and Nine over on uh, Voyager. No, that's Jerry Ryan. Jerry Taylor's it's, the writer. Jer- Jerry Ryan, right. Anyway, and they both do, they both sort of, oh, you, no, you know how to do the Trek, uh, the Trek shaky ship thing. Left, and they go left. Right. Forward. <laughs> There's the Voyager guys. I will say the actors have some fun sort of peaks. Like they they have a whole shtick at cons. If there's three of them, where they'll talk about when you're on an away mission, one of you has your hands on your hips, one of you has your hands behind your back, and one of you has your arms crossed in your at your chest. Yep. It's and like it's, that game. It's on like the who's line, line game. Yeah. And then yep. like if one of you moves, the others have to change. But it's like there's really only three poses when you go to a planet. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of cute. Sometimes you get to point your phaser out. Those are awesome. Right. Um. As, as far as the Romulan changeling guy goes, I believe this is the first time we've ever seen an, a changeling infiltrator when we realize, shit, these guys are actually able to convincingly replace guys. Well, well I don't w- think we've talked about that before. Like, we've shown that they can be, you know... Well, what's her name? The, the female changeling turned into Kira, that one. Right. Yeah. But we've never seen them actively replacing government officials and manipulating things. And no. it's like, this adds a whole layer of threat to this. Now. It, it, it this makes could be sense a problem. that they can do this. Yeah. But it, but it never occurred to me watching In Order. Well, like, that's because the assumption, like, the assumption I'd had was that they couldn't do uh, faces. Yeah, well, no, no. I mean, they've proven that they can now. Well, well but... yeah, now. But when they first showed up, like, when Odo first goes to the, the homeworld. No, they were doing that to mock him. Yeah, but we don't know that yet. Oh, I suppose that's true. Uh, but even then, even if you can look like something, you just being c- completely convincing is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, wait a minute, this has implications. Like, what if, oh God. Who else? Yeah. 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 But they, they have this great speech. He has this great speech where they're like, uh, yeah, we looked at the Alpha Quadrant. We looked at the top threats. Uh, the Cardassians and the Romulans are no longer a problem. And those were the guys we were really worried about. Oh, that was yeah. the top of the list. Yeah. And then the Klingons. And then like a distant fourth, the Federation. And uh, then those? those guys... Uh, who, are those, who are those guys? They wear the they wear the stupid rainbow colors. The, y- yeah. y- the the colorful guys. You the know. guys we keep chasing out of our yard. <laughs> yeah, they, we keep telling them not to leave their football over here, but they keep leaving it here. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's get it's getting to the point where we're just gonna have to keep the football. Yeah. the The nice thing though is they they say that, and it's like, well, now they've literally wiped out like the entire hope of Cardassia and Romulus, like. Yep. What the hell is going to happen next? Like they've said, this is our checklist. Now we've gotten the first two done. Next is the Klingons and the Federation. We're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Oh god. Yeah. What What's next? It'll probably be fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll, don't worry about it. it yeah. It'll, it'll be fine. Um. But I just it, I love the implications of that, and I love knowing what comes. You know what's to come. It's just it's a great. It's a great way to lay groundwork while still keeping people guessing if they don't actually know what's going to happen. Yep. Which is nice. Uh, what else? Um, this isn't exactly related to the show, um, but I just wish so much that, that Garrick would Garrick have sex be... with you. Well, yes, but <laughs> barring that, barring that, um, I wish that him and Bashir were actually just dating. Yeah, me too. I just like, choose to interpret it that way, and they just don't say it out loud. Because they act like they're dating. I mean, Garrick... Well, I said brings, that in the last episode. Yeah. He gave him chocolates. He brings him chocolates, yep. and they have lunch together, and they flirt, or they have breakfast together. Lunch, breakfast. They have lunch. lunch. Now Odo is breakfast. Right. 
We're Garrick's, about uh, <laughs> Garrick's calendar is filling up quite quickly. Yep. Um, they have they have a standing date. They talk. They're like they clearly have a connection. Well, when when they get rescued and they step off the transporter pad, the first person to embrace Garrick is Bashir. <laughs> yep. And ostensibly, it's as the the medical officer. Oh, you're hurt, but I, you know what it is. I missed you. Yeah. I tried talking about plays with Chief O'Brien, but he wouldn't listen. He's working class. He doesn't care about culture. We're, we're cultured and upper class, you know. <laughs> Let's go to the opera. I just wish that was just a thing. Yeah, and me too. We don't have to see them making out, and we don't, like, if people are uncomfortable because, like, uh, Rick Berman is a dickhole. Mm-hmm. But, they like, just have them be, and they don't even have to be, like, together exactly like together as as a couple just like monogamously like bashir can still be a horn dog and go and do his business i just just well, yeah we get see over him hitting home. on a dabo girl in the next episode yeah yep so no i i'm i'm with you there that I, like would i say be, that's that would just, be fine with that yeah that's how i choose to interpret it and that just the show's not going to say because they can't but it's yeah. pretty clear to me that, that that's cool. your head cannon now yes that is my head cannon i have a cannon in my head and <laughs> it's it's like the cannon in um uh, uh, Ahab's chest. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I am always a sucker for this. is This is taken from Star Wars, and it probably came from somewhere before that. The all hope is lost. Oh shit! Here comes an awesome ship to save the day. Like yep. Millennium Falcon Whoosh. streaming in. I, I. They did it in in Abrams Trek, and they did it here. And every time it happens, I just like some like eight year old part of me that loved the Millennium Falcon doing that. It's like yay! Woohoo! And the fact is, like I said, this is the biggest space battle we've ever seen in Star Trek so far. And you see the Defiant weaving in and out of stuff. We see, like, oh. we see how much more maneuverable it is than a than a traditional starship. We see it's like crazy cannons shooting. Like it's got so many photon for torpedoes. Yeah, There's like it, oh torpedoes. God, it's so cool. Whereas the Enterprise could fire like one at a time slowly. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like they were having to like stuff the gunpowder. Right. Yep. <laughs> Which fits Picard really. Um, now, but if I, his yeah. chest was a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing I really liked was the um, the last scene, and I mentioned this briefly in my summary, between Odo and Garrick, the way it's shot. Oh, yeah. This great close-up of Garrick and Odo sort of hazy in the background. You you only see him reflected in a mirror behind... Uh... Right, but and he's and not he's, clear he's, either. He's yeah. backlit, so you just yeah. sort of see his outline. Right. And it's a great sort of, can we look at each other the same way again yeah. like kind of thing. But I was like, also interested how it sort of reflects the uh, the Odo talking to his Cardassian uh, deep throat, mm-hmm. uh, deep throat from the last episode. I was wondering if that was intentional. Yeah, I don't know. It must have been. I mean, it looked so similar. Odo, yeah, like the, it, yeah. Like the pose was so similar. Mm. I don't know that that had more to do with like levels of like because the guy was above him and it was a little different. But it, it could be. Mm. Oh, and the one other thing I had was that uh, we have the cliche. It'll take me ten hours to fix the thing that Ed- Eddington sabotage. You have two. Mm-hmm. But then when we cut back, Cisco's Kira's like, it's been three hours. I'm going down there. Cisco's like, leave him alone. He knows what he's doing. Just let him do the job. He might need help. Well, he'll ask for it. Yes. He's not a, He's not afraid to ask for help if he needs it. It's, it's yeah. just like, it, it's every now and then the show will go out of its way to say, this guy's different than Kirk or Picard here yeah. now. Well, and Picard would be, we've seen Picard go down there. Could I help? Yeah, and because of that whole dad vibe, yeah. because no one wants to do, like, Jordy can't just say, get out of my way, I'm working. He's, mm-hmm. he's got to, like, he's got to be nice to him. It's, it's like, well, great, now I have to find something for you to do so you feel useful. <laughs> right, exactly. 
I'm just looking over our good things and our bad things, and all of our good things are torture, and all of our bad things are forgiveness. <laughs> We're good people. Oh, man. Well, there's a reason we like this show. <laughs> uh, anything else? Any final thoughts before um, we press forward? Uh, you should probably do your quote. Well, I was going to do that like smoothly nope. after you gave your last da, 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 quote. Thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Matt, any any final business? Well, you were going to do your quote, so. <laughs> Very well, let's say my quote. <laughs> this is Odo trying to convince uh, Garrick, like, do you, do you really want to torture me? And, and Garrick comes back with some fantastic sarcasm, which is this. Why, Constable, you seem positively disappointed in me. Well, I suppose it's understandable. After all, I did pledge my undying devotion and eternal allegiance to both you and the Federation. And you and I have been through so much together, shared many experiences. And I know you considered me a close friend. No wonder you feel betrayed. really like that scene. Me too. And once again, you By got... the way, that was my quote. <laughs> was that your quote, Al? That Al, was, my... was that your quote? That was. Was it? Yes. Should we play it again for the people so they can really hit that home that it's we, your quote? You mean, should I in editing? In post. Yes. Do it in post. Uh-huh. What were you going to say? Um, this is that, that whole thing again where not everyone is an ideal future man. Right. Garrick does like, well, I don't, what, what the hell do I care about the Federation? Yeah. And it reminds us early on what the stakes are that, yeah. that we're, we don't have that safety net anymore, that things are different, that these guys don't give a fuck. Like, oh, right, shit. And they're oh. not friends. It's no. not like they're best friends. They know each other. No, and it's mm-hmm. a nice way for the writers to, like, I can imagine the conversation in the writing room. Would he torture him? He's his friend. Is he? I don't think that we've actually ever shown that. Yeah, let's go back through all the episodes. Have these guys spent more than ten minutes together, like, ever? Well, let's let's call that out. Let's, let's remind people. Mm. So that's nice. All right, pressing forward to what I honestly, unironically, legitimately think may be, like, the perfect episode of DS9 explorers amanda picked a sweet episode somehow mm-hmm. i don't get it but here we go and there's like no gay subtext there's no gay subtext there's no torture no what what the hell this is like one of my favorite episodes of deep space nine what um, the fuck happened to you yeah what, what happened maybe there? i'm softening <laughs> uh, uh, tell us tell us about this so is like clapping my hands and smiling a summary does that like constitute a summary no I mean, like, as an impartial reviewer, that's accepted practice, right? No. No? Still no? No. Uh, all right. Well, digging past the giggling and applause, this is a great episode about Cisco and Jake. Ben comes back from the world's most unexciting vacation to see a Bajoran library reopened. I can picture him in a series of smash cuts asking everyone on the station to go with him and them all pretending they were busy this weekend. Uh, no, uh, I've got to check my things. See, the Um, thing about that is... uh... uh, Fortunately, he comes back from Operation Dad is Not Cool with an idea to recreate the Bajoran lightship. Dusty old Bajoran claptrap holds that the Bajoran space sailed all the way to Cardassia when humans were still throwing cannonballs at each other and the second and third Cardassian were hatching a plot against the first. Cisco is determined to prove that it was possible. Um, he dons his Federation issue welding uniform and builds a replica ship with his own two hands, doubtless having to walk in the snow uphill both ways to the cargo deck he took over. 
Gul Dukat phones in to heckle Ben and tell him he shouldn't go on this trip. For the good of Bajor, of course. Of course. In the B-plot, Julian continues his midlife crisis when he hears about the girl who beat him at school um, coming on board the station. Everyone else on the station is way too interested in this drama, uh, probably just because they like seeing Julian squirm. <laughs> After some pretty serious mom guilt, Jake agrees to go fishing with his old man, and the two of them take off. Then my favorite thing of all happens. There is no deadly danger. Jake and Sisko have some good father-son bonding. They run into a little trouble with the ship, but they fix it. Then they hit some turbulence, which doesn't put the ship in danger. It just kind of knocks them off course. And while they're fixing the minor problems they run into, Jake admits that he wants to be a writer. Don't worry, Jake. It's expected for fathers to be desperately disappointed in their sons in Star Trek. It's what makes great men. Erstwhile, Julian gets ignored by uh, by his rival and consoles himself by drinking with O'Brien. I guess Garrick was too busy for a late-night self-esteem boost booty call. (laughs) The next day, bolstered by friendship, Julian mentions his name to her, and it turns out her snubbing him was all a misunderstanding. It turns out that she envies him as Postus on DS9, and also he's the world's greatest kisser, and she loves all his medical toys. Did Julian write the end to this (laughs) B-plot? It's like Julian fanfic by Julian. (laughs) Ben and Sisko continue... No, Ben and Sisko. Jake and Sisko continue to try to figure out uh, where they are. Then they notice a great pile of Cardassian ships. And this is my second favorite thing. The Cardassians aren't there to sabotage the mission. They're there so Gul Dukat can give the most contemptuous congratulations speech in the history of human-Cardassian relationship. And he admits that the Bajorans space-sailed the hell out of the quadrant. Okay, two things. First of all, you didn't mention the most important thing of the episode. Cisco's beard. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, Cisco has a beard beard. now. It's like he's half-finished suddenly. (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, we said this with Next Gen. Don't if you if you're flipping through reruns and and you see Riker without a beard, keep flipping. Yep. I, with a few exceptions, I would say the same is true of uh, DS9. When Cisco has a beard, it's going to be better. I don't. I mean, it's going to be better. Yes. It's going to. This is when the show starts getting outstanding. Like we said this last week. Like this is here's the turning point right in this area. But here. it's even better when Cisco with a beard and bald head. Yeah, but yes. I mean, between these two episodes, these are the two like. Like again, this one might be in my top five. Also, mm. like just Cisco with a beard is sort of the signal. Like here, here we go. It's getting great. Uh, the other thing is, I'm pretty sure you took erstwhile from Fargo. I absolutely did. That was a, that was a that was a reference. Yes, that was for me because yeah. Matt hasn't seen it. Was it was for you yet. Yeah, great show by the way. Super just to, good. Without without going too off track, uh, we absolutely adored the recent uh, TV series Fargo 10 episodes just fantastic I would do a podcast about that and I might actually be able to finish that because it's only 10 (laughs) Uh, so what was your good thing um I normally don't care about father-son camping stories because uh, I don't have a father um but it's a pretty good reason yeah Yeah. it doesn't it doesn't just doesn't resonate with me at all but I really like this it was an it was sort of the exception for the rule for me because I like the characters so much Mm. it shows that you can do a story like this that isn't directed at someone at all and still have it be good and enjoyable this these two characters like this might be my my favorite relationship in all of star trek outside of kirk spock bones oh god it's so good just and there's nothing like there's nothing unusual about it there's nothing crazy space about it it's literally just a human father and his human son who are just trying to get along after the mom dies like Mm. that's it and it's nothing particularly like dark or gritty or edgy or anything either they always get along yeah there's occasionally like really you want to do this are you sure Mm. but 
otherwise they're just they're so great and and a lot of that's the acting oh yeah but the the writing is there too like it's we sort of rolled our eyes when we said, oh good a main part of the cast is going to be a kid here we, here we go but it's it's been fantastic turns out they're really really good yeah and they have amazing chemistry together and there were there were points where I'm not afraid to admit I teared up a little. Like their relationship is just so sweet. Well, I mean, like being a father is such a huge part of uh, like Cisco's yeah, character. It's, it's not like the way some people write fathers, where it's just like, oh yeah, they have a job and also they have a kid. Yeah, this is ingrained in his personality. This mm-hmm. is part of who he is. And I joked about uh, you know Cisco being disappointed in Jake, but he's actually not. And. Uh, such a big part of Star Trek is fathers being disappointed in their sons and sons trying to show that's up their That's not fathers. just Star Trek. No, but like that is a Star Trek thing. It's I, nice to see one that's not like that. I think most writers have fathers who are disappointed in them, and that just ends up being a narrative in most things. <laughs> well, I mean, look, writing isn't a real job. We all know yeah. that. So this is sort of the ultimate like wish fulfillment story, to write a story about a dad who's proud of his son becoming a writer. Yeah. Like, obviously, this is a fantasy future where that, you know... <laughs> More fanfic. Look, yeah. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but writing don't pay the bills. You need to go out and work in a mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was it is great. Their relationship is so fantastic. Um, what was your bad thing? Um, oh, I had to dig real, real deep to find a bad thing in this one. Because yep. like, even um, Cisco's costume, like his civilian kind of costume, wasn't... That's usually like, your go-to. Yeah, it's like, oh, them. they look fucking terrible, but they actually looked pretty good. No, I like the blue good. thing they had. Yeah, he looked like a Jedi for some reason. <laughs> and his um his welding outfit was kind of a little piratey, but mm. I, I liked it. But my bad thing is that um, everyone in Star Trek loves old sailboats. Eh, it's it's Navy culture. Like, they're into the, the, the legacy of it. They're into the history of it. And I think some guys probably are. That makes sense. But Cisco doesn't really seem like one of those guys, but... Like, I get that he's into Bajoran stuff. Yeah. And I get that he's into, like, the light ship and the sailing this stuff. I think that's cool. It's but like... But instead of talking about the light ship, he talks about it in terms of old Earth sailing ships. Yeah. I kind of feel like, if anything, Cisco's going to be more interested in sort of, like, uh, early uh, spaceship design. Yeah. That could like, have been a that thing. That makes like... way more sense to me than, you know, boats. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. We're exploring... Like, they're, they're couching it in metaphors that we can understand. We mm-hmm. understand the appeal... Of someone going out, you know, into the sea and and going someplace that no one's been, and and you know the the, the stars and all that. But stuff. I don't think it's nec- at this point. I don't think it's really necessary to to talk mm. in terms of metaphor that way. And um, I like something I liked about this is that it makes sense that Cisco's into these ships because his job before this job was working at Utopia Planitia building ships. Yeah, like, he helped design the Defiant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a thing for him. Also, the, we've talked about this a little bit. One of their main sort of defining characteristics of him is uh, Picard's an explorer. Cisco's a builder. That's what they call like. Yeah, Kirk's a destroyer. Right. <laughs> the Kirk correct term does, is ruiner. Kirk just does whatever the fuck he wants. He's, he doesn't really, you know, he's, he doesn't have time for your categories, man. He's yeah. a cowboy, baby. Right. Um. But uh, Cisco, like, he stays in one place and he tries to nurture a thing and he's he's a builder. He's, a, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, let's make a community, let's make a home, let's, you know, like, that's his thing. And it's nice to give him a literal thing where that actually happens, where he's literally building a thing. And along those lines, um, you, Al, made a good point about um, the B-plot with Julian and his rival, 
where they're talking about oh, yeah, yeah. Um, where they're talking about the difference between living on a spaceship. Well, that wasn't my point. That was actually the writers deliberately put the uh, subtext in there of it being like, oh, well, being out on a starship is okay, but being on a space station, that's great. That's, that's the place to be. That's them just like getting in digs at the next gen and Voyager <laughs> writers at that point. Of course, it still did come off a bit like everything's great for me forever. Everybody wants to be Julian. Well, he yeah, it's, as soon as you said it, sounded like a Mary, like he wrote his own Mary Sue friend fiction. Oh, it's definitely it definitely comes off that way. Yeah, but it's because he represents the show, and they're trying to talk about how great the show is. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the show. Yeah, me too. But still, yeah. And of oh. course, they did that in their episode that was about building a ship and going on a ship trip. <laughs> so, true. like, yes. you know, yeah. little mixed messages there, writers. Yep. It's called Explorers, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing that, exploring's not that great. <laughs> hanging, around, hanging around the mall, that's the place to be. <laughs> that actually sounds like now. I agree. I would rather <laughs> I don't go, go to the mall. I go exploring. I'd rather go to the mall. Yeah. <laughs> you wish the mall was your ringtone. I do. <laughs> now, what was your the good torture thing? is my ringtone. <laughs> Apparently. It is. Oh, man, I love the scene with uh, Julian and uh, O'Brien so much. Uh, where they're getting drunk together? When they're getting drunk together. Uh-huh. I watched that and it's like, man, that's why I get drunk. Really? Fucking, yeah, <laughs> because what? you're disappointed about your school rival? Not no, I just, I, 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 love the, I love the two guys hanging out, enjoying each other in a non-sexual enjoying way. Enjoying each other. Enjoying huh? each other. <laughs> I picture Keiko coming home in a couple of weeks and just like... <laughs> Ah. Smells like Axe body spray in here. Was Julian here? <laughs> Was Julian sleeping on the couch? Not on the couch, no. Wow. <laughs> no, and there is a there is a really great scene between them where uh, where O'Brien says in his own inimitable way that he loves Julian. Yeah, I, I love you know people either they love you or they hate you, and I just want you to know I don't hate you anymore. You doubt? No. And that's as far as I'm going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> even drunk. Like, even quite, quite drunk. Yep. Wow. Now let's sing some more. Now let's sing some more uh, public domain songs. <laughs> I guess originally they were going to try to sing Louie Louie, which I'm glad they didn't. Well, no one knows the lyrics to Louie Louie, so. Well, right. Or, not or even or in the 24th century. Rocket Man, which would have just been ironic because Chatner, you know, famously sang that years yeah. ago. No, it was this, that was the correct choice. Yes. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um, again, having to reach. Uh, I didn't particularly care for the actress that played uh, Julian's rival. Uh, what's her name? I don't remember. I don't remember. Sh- Shone? Chompy. Chompy, yes, yeah. Sure. I didn't like Chompy that much. <laughs> I thought she I thought had she weird fine. hair and a weird face. <laughs> she was fine, but I think it would have been more interesting if he went up to her and was like, Hi, I'm Julian. She's like, Okay, who's that? And she's like, you know, we went to school together. Oh yeah. Oh, cool. which was five years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was a long who time knows? ago. Yeah. I like have like a career and a life. I don't really think about it that much. I get in a different adventure every week. How would yeah. I remember five years ago? But but this is the thing that's that's been making me crazy my entire life. Well, well for me it was Tuesday. Uh, Street Fighter, Al. No Street Fighter references on this <laughs> show. God damn it. Street Fighter. With Raul Julia. Yeah. The movie's so terrible, he died. <laughs> I can't be seen in this. That's all for me. Either Bad. this movie goes or I do. Yep. Okay, here's my good thing. This is a big sort of thematic thing. Like, 
this is the huge turning point. Ben is really starting to embrace Bajoran culture. These are his people now. It's not like he talked before about how it's his home and he thinks of it as his home. And that was something. But now it's more like he's starting. He's not quite embracing the emissary thing yet. But it's clear proving this, proving that his people were capable of this is so important to him because mm. he cares about these people so much. And it's just like it's his home. It's his like he, he's almost like their dad, only not in a condescending way. In a, <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? Like, like he's Jake's dad. Cisco's yeah. a good dad. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's – I'm going to prove that these people are truly special, and it's super important to me that we do that. Yeah. Like, that's... I love that he does that because he wants to, not because he went to the library and there was some kind of, like, magic amulet that right. zapped him in the face, and then he was like, oh, I must build this thing. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> – in fact, there's a, there's a point where somebody says, why are you uh, – why are you building this? And – uh what, what, what is he? Because it'll be fun. Yeah, because it'll be fun. Let me ask you something, Cisco. Why you care? <laughs> By the way, something. Why you care? <laughs> now, and seeing him, like, using his hands and just getting all excited and just, it's so, it's so great. I, and you already mentioned this, Amanda, but I love that there's no danger. Yeah. There's no, like, there's not even a puncture in the hull where you think Jake and Ben are going to be hurt. Like, yeah. there's nothing. No, the only thing that they're worried about like it's they're kind of inconvenience like it might take them a couple of days for someone to yeah. find them if this mm-hmm. doesn't work but the the entire conflict of the episode is he's trying to achieve a goal and he might not achieve his goal that's and it that's enough conflict yes if you care about the characters them not getting the thing they want that is enough conflict to carry a show and they yeah. did a great job i mean they've done a great job in the last three years of getting us to care about about ben about jake about their relationship about his relationship with Bajor, but they also did a good job of getting us to care about this ship, the way it was designed and the mm-hmm. way just like it was really like externally and internally looks like a just a cool thing that we want to care about. Yeah. I really liked the way the ship looked. I mean, this, it does, they use CG on the, on the sails and it looks a little bit dated, but the design of the ship is still really pretty. They, um, I was reading on Memory Alpha, they called it the butterfly ship. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. And the inside of the ship, um, we it's kind of steampunky. There's a lot is, of bronze yeah. and gears yeah. and stuff. But it looks kind of like a real thing. Like sometimes stuff on Star Trek doesn't really look like a thing. This is that yeah. Is. This is a room that happens to be on the on the ship. Yeah, yeah. This it looks like a thing. And seeing Cisco put it together, yeah, it looked like the stuff he was bringing Your in parents looked put like it together. things. <laughs> yeah. Right. The the fa- the idea of a, of a of a spaceship that has wood in it. Yeah, he's like, I just got a shipment of wood in from Beijing. What? Wood? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta saw the wood for this ship. That appeals to me so much. Yeah, the wood spaceship. That's so cool. And we get a, we get a nice little scene when when Dax says, "I haven't seen you like this since you built Jake's nursery." And, yeah, and you realize he's gone through this thing before, where he gets obsessed with a thing and he wants to make it perfect. Yeah, and it's continuing his arc, getting past um, Jennifer being dead. Right. Like, not you know, he hasn't forgotten, and he still misses her, but he's moving into the next part of his life yeah this helps him do that he's obsessed with something and he's excited about things again Mm -hmm. and actually um this episode um had some really good dax moments like dax has not been as good as i remember her being no we've been very disappointed yeah but she was um she was a really good friend to ben and i've loved their relationship that's the only thing about her i've really really enjoyed is their relationship and we get a little bit more of sort of her playful side where she's just messing with julian and apparently telling everyone on the station that yeah uh, this big important thing's happening in (laughs) his life so go go mention it to him and 
everybody knows. Yeah, Odo like, knows. Odo knows, Quark knows, Morn knows. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think Odo has like 30 seconds in the whole episode where he comes in and says, uh, she's here. Like, that's it. But it's it's a nice, it actually advances his character a little because you realize two years ago he wouldn't have given a fuck. Mm-mm. Yeah. But it shows now that he's part of the group and he... he Bashir's his friend, and he yeah. wants him to, like, it's, it's just a nice little thing. I can just see it perfectly. It's like, I don't understand you humans. Why don't you just do the whatever? I don't, shut up. Yeah, but he's been observing him for so long that yeah. at least he gets what it means in the context of us. He might uh-huh. not feel it, but he understands it now. Yeah. And I like that. No, he gets it now. It's nice. Yeah. It just, there's so much good character stuff going on here, and there's not one single moment where anyone's life is threatened, ever. No. Yeah. And it's you don't need that if you do if you do a good enough job of establishing what's important, getting us invested in the characters. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. like when um, Picard goes home to the vineyard. Yes. Except um, there's a little bit more spacey stuff in this one. Right. And no old man fights. <laughs> right. Um, Matt, you actually had a note that said, "I can't believe I'm disappointed that the conversation has stopped." Yeah, something something uh, something breaks on the uh, on the ship, and I'm like, "Oh man, they were talking about Jake's writing career. Get back to that." <laughs> and this actually was one of the like rare times. Like, I'm certainly not going to say I had a bad relationship with my parents. It was fine. They were they were all right. They they were not bad parents. Um, but I can't really relate to like the great parents on TV, and I could never like I, it, it doesn't just it. Uh, that's nothing like my experience, mm. but the specific experience of being a teenager, figuring out what you want to do with your life, telling your parents, this is what I want to do. I want to be a writer and worrying they're going to say, that's not a real career. You need to learn how to use your hands and get a job. Yeah. Cause it's not a real career. It's not. How's that going to pay the bills? Right. And then like that, that moment where you're waiting to hear what they have to say and then them being supportive. Like that happened to me. Yeah. Like, that, that very similarly happened to me. Oh, Nice. And my parents were, you know, I, I mean, the, the plan at the time was I was going to go to college for journalism and blah, blah, mm. blah, and I didn't do that. But <laughs> the point is, Good, I came out to my parents. That would have been a waste of money. Yes. And even less of a career than being a writer. Right. But the point is, I, I, I told my parents I wanted to be a writer, and there was that moment where I wasn't sure if they were going to like it, and they were okay with it. And it, I, I could relate to Jake for a minute. It was, it was extra nice for me just to, to remember that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But, oh, I mean, even if I couldn't relate, it was still just great on a fundamental just... I love these characters. Love. Yeah. And while this was also like a great, great character episode, I thought it was also one of the few episodes I can think of that had, and it wasn't perfect, but had a, an actual sci-fi story where it wasn't just sort of, you know, uh, sort of a space opera thing. They took a sci-fi concept and sort of went with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it did remind me of some Larry Niven short stories where you take this one idea and sort of build your story around that one I, I guess I can see that, but uh, they admitted... The science is all wrong. Right. They, like they a have real to, solar yeah. sail ship would have sails that were like miles wide and it just wouldn't look good visually. So, I mean, the fact that it's not really based in science makes me think it's not really a good science fiction story. Not a great science fiction story, but it was a science fiction story. And Star Trek, for a show that's, you know, about spaceships, doesn't do a lot of science fiction. Well, all right. That's fair. Uh, let's see what else. Um... There's, oh. a, there's a great scene at the beginning where, where Julian's hitting on this, like, super hot Dabo girl that's that's now here. Yep. And, uh, She's great. Hello, Genzia shows up to cop block. Lita. Yeah. I felt kind of conflicted in that scene because, like, I love Dax being playful and messing with people, but I also sort of feel like, you know, Dax, you've told 
Julian, you're not interested. Maybe you shouldn't stop him from having sex with ladies. Yeah, I, if, if I don't have a chance with you, let me go have a chance with someone else. On the other hand, this is Leah's probably seven of seven for this week. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's it too. She doesn't feel bad because you know <laughs> there'll be another one. Yeah, there'll be another one tomorrow. But uh, or later. But uh, Chase Masterson, who plays her, is is gorgeous, and they do you know they do floozy her up like she's she's got the cleavage and the heavy makeup and all that but she's still a very pretty lady and mm. and a good addition to the cast she'll stick around and uh no she's funny she's a good uh no no she and she uh, yeah she actually has some good stuff coming up, like some substantial stuff coming up yeah. later on which yeah. is nice and this scene was funny because of her like she she made that she yeah. made it funny well there was you get a glimpse of charming julian like yeah so often when julian's funny it's because he's undignified and everyone else is sort of making fun of him or whatever. But like this was, you actually get to see him be smooth Mm -hmm. and you get to see like, she's like, Oh, you're the, you're the cute young doctor. I have a cough. Uh uh (laughs) It's like, Oh, what, what a terrible cough. Let's, let's have a look at that. (laughs) And it's just adorable little flirt. Clearly I'm going to need to take a better look at your chest then. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to need two stethoscopes for this. (laughs) When Julian's talking to, um, I think he's talking to O'Brien, and he says, "Well, I got second place in school. I, I and I spent my whole life thinking I'm second best." Do the I voice. Say, oh, I, I got second place in school, and now I think I'm second best. I just want to say, yeah, you got second place. That that's what that means. You are second best. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what that means. That's literally what that means. Dummy, yep. you're not as good. No. Whoa. Oh. But I have a friend like you, Miles. There, there. It's uh, when the Dax thing happens. Uh, Julian says, "Here, I want you to take a look at this pad." And he oh. hands her a pad that just says, "Go away." That was that my. Was so that funny. was. That was my vote for episode cover. Yeah, I, I might still use that. I'm not sure. There's, a, there's a couple of good possibilities. That's really fucking funny. Yeah, it is. Um, I going back to the to the solar ship thing. I love that the Cardassians are in the business of like the propaganda is. No, the Bajorans were not more advanced than we are. Of yep. course, that never happened. And then when when they get there and they prove it, oh, we just found a crash site that proves what you said. Wow, congratulations, yeah. buddy. Well, this is really simpatico. It's so funny that these yeah. things happen at the same time. What a coincidence. Isn't yep. it just? It's a, it's almost a coinky dink <laughs> I also like the reveal that the the Romulans <laughs> believe that they invented everything first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like that, the Chinese. Of, it, uh, that's both really funny to me and also very Romulan. Yeah. It reminds me of, yeah, on, on QI, they're always talking about how... Um, yeah, well, we, we think this was invented. Like, we think Galileo invented the telescope, but really, mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was the Chinese. Yep. Leading to uh, Alan Davies saying, well, why didn't they invent the Polaroid so they could prove all this? <laughs> Oh, Alan Davies. He also has the Bashir voice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> actually, Bashir doesn't have the voice we do for not him at all. all. He's got nope. the upper crusty accent, not the, not the crazy working class accent. Yep. Uh, they mentioned a bathroom, which they never do on Star Trek. Yeah, people poop in Star Trek. Who'd have thunk? Well, <laughs> this is the first appearance. I'm surprised Memory Alpha doesn't say this is the first appearance of pooping. Actually, <laughs> given how smug the Federation is, it would not surprise me one bit to know that they have perfectly balanced food from the replicators where that produce no waste. Yeah, 100% energy, 0% waste. Yeah, or it's they all just absorbed. Or they just beam it out of them. Or, We've yeah. evolved beyond the need for your human pooping. Yep. Uh, ah, you barbarians! You're still crap! <laughs> what is this, the Dark Ages? <laughs> 
there's a there's a really cute moment where where uh jake is basically jake says i don't want to go off to school yet because you haven't moved on with your life dad and you need to get a date mm. and my first thought was well the reason i haven't gone on a date is because you haven't left yet and it's uncomfortable <laughs> with you being around but um it, it's also like just jake like sarah clofton plays it really well mm. sorry sarah clofton does not appear in this episode plays it really well <laughs> where he's like Dad, you gotta you gotta think about this. You gotta think about the important stuff in life. It's it's a cute like, it's like the civilized version of you think you can take your old man. Yeah, like he's he's trying to put his arm around his dad and give him fatherly advice, and it's just adorable. <laughs> and I love uh, I love Cisco's reaction. Is my son trying to get me to hook me up? Yeah. What what how how is this even? And he's like, Dad, don't think of me as your son right now. Think of me as another guy. It's, it's, no. It's, that's gross, and you're gross for saying it. <laughs> but really, that that is a moment in a lot of guys' lives where it's like, at some point, you know, I want my dad to take me seriously as a grown up and not as, mm-hmm. as as a boy. And it's 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 just cute. It's a great dynamic. And and Cisco at first is put off by it, but he's like, you know what? You're right. Yeah, you are you are becoming a man. Let's let's talk. Mm-hmm. Their whole connection together, yeah. was so good. And that's actually um one of that's what I end up choosing for my quote was them just sort let's of... Let's hear your quote, Amanda. What's yeah, your let's, quote? <laughs> let's hear my quote. See, I was properly leading us into that segue. I was leading I could, too. I could tell everyone what was happening. I noticed we're not hearing a quote yet. I was doing it so smoothly that you so didn't know. subtle. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, I, my quote's just them joking around. In a few places you're writing about things you haven't actually experienced. Or at least I hope you haven't experienced. Unless you've joined the Marquis without telling me. Pat, I can't talk about it. <laughs> I had you going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is. This is a great, stuff. and it's a very non-Star Trek joke. Honestly. Well, I I, in a, in lesser hands, that would have been where the episode turned. Yeah. And suddenly it's about, he actually is the Maquis and blah, blah. No, he's just fucking. Oh, and how like standard teen rebel would it be for, I don't give a damn, I'm joining the Maquis. Yeah, it worked for Wesley. Yeah. And he's still like got a crush on Kira maybe. So that's part yeah. of it. He wants yep. to oppress her by helping the Bajorans or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing this for you, Kira. Okay. All right. There is there is a reference. Uh, well, it's not obviously a reference, but I took it to be a reference to the webcomic that Matt and I made years ago. <laughs> we had a running joke where Matt had turned into a plant and his answer to everything was photosynthesis. Well, how does this work? Photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. That's a joke for one person. Yeah. yeah flunk. But, but there. Um, oh, two people. And yeah, Duncan. because the other guy we wrote it with. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's there's a bit where, well, how, how would they have breathed on this? I don't know. Photosynthesis. Yeah. Just, come on. How is that not a go-back-in-time reference to something that hadn't happened yet that no one will ever read? Yeah, Kira was so into this, too. It was cute. She was excited that uh, she had, like, Cisco maybe, was doing this. She had maybe two lines in the episode, yep. but she did a lot of, like, good face acting where she's clearly proud of Dad for, you know, yep. defending, oh, him, this defending is so, everybody to the neighborhood. It's so cool that you're doing this. Yeah. I just, I, I really... Like, my last note is, this was just beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful episode, and that is not a word I use. Like, I love Star Trek. It's cool because people are are betraying each other, and political maneuverings happening, and space battles are happening, and character development. And But, like, I've never really looked at it and thought, this is actually a just a beautiful story about a father and a son and a, and a guy who wants to do something cool. The only yeah. other one I can think of 
that is sort of beautiful like this is when the um the girl comes on next gen and she comes out of the egg and is like the perfect mate and picard has to train her that one's all right but that one had a lot of like standard tropes in it that kind of kept it from being amazing i would say if anything that the inner light would be Mm -hmm. the only like truly like beautiful next gen episode this one just i don't know it, it tugged on all the right heartstrings for me i i'm going to play this card once and only once i don't have a bad thing i just straight up do not have a bad thing I'm not going to, you know, it's a cop-out to do that, and I won't do it again. What's but... the opposite of a bucket? Hmm? What's the opposite oh, of yeah, a bucket? Oh, yeah, instead of putting on my bucket, yeah. Maybe here, put, get... here, put on this pillow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just, I don't, like, I put a joke bad thing, which is Jake mentions the Maquis, which reminds me that I don't like the Maquis. Good enough. <laughs> That's it. But, I, I, I mean, the whole point of the good thing, bad thing is to, to stimulate conversation, and I just don't have i i can't the bad thing is it's that you work too hard yes <laughs> i care too much but i i like like i say i'm not ashamed to admit i, I teared up a couple of times and i'm watching it at my desk at work yeah and i'm like nothing nothing it's just so beautiful i like i don't really cry at sad things i cry at nice things it's raining on your yeah. face. This is yeah. why we can't have nice things. Yes. Because you cry. Right. Like flute solo. Yeah. This is this is flute solo all over again. Uh, that, that's pretty much so, all There's I something just very funny to me about the imagined conversation of Amanda going, you're crying like a woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, that, that, that conversation has occurred. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what are you doing? What's that thing you're doing with your eyes? Could yeah. you stop it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do this in front of people, are you? You're not going to tell people you did it, are you? Yeah. When I'm editing the show, you're going to cut that part out about the crying, right? Yeah. <laughs> trying to, nope. uh, look, I have a certain, uh, I'm try- I have a certain, uh, thing I'm supposed to be showing people. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> well, I said I only cry at nice things, so no, you won't. <laughs> please don't, please don't throw Al down the stairs now that you have some. Well, we're down at the bottom of the stairs already, yep. so. She's not not forever. The stairs. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe forever. Maybe we have forever. A, we have a, a creepy, like, dungeon room here. Yep. Ooh. My murder basement. Yeah. Can we hang on the walls? Yes. Yes. <laughs> fact, we can. A little cross promotion there. Uh, anything else? Uh, no. That's all my things. I mean, I would actually, from one to ten, give this episode a ten. Yep. Like, just straight yep. up, there's nothing <clears throat> wrong with this episode. All right, well, that that is all for this week. Next week, we're, we're doing ones that don't look so great to me, but maybe I'm wrong. Yep, could happen. Uh, as ever, uh, website is postatomichorror.com. Uh, the Tumblr is postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Uh, fun little thing a friend of the show, uh, Jason, put together recently, a little, little video about oh, uh, yeah. a red shirt. Uh, you should check it out. There's, there's a link on the Horror Tumblr. Uh, it's it's a short YouTube video. It's not like you got to watch something for an hour. I think it's like five minutes long, but it's adorable. It, it's a lot of fun. And Jason, like, and I'm 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 not just saying it because he's he's a big supporter of the show and a, and a friend of the show. It's it's legitimately funny on its own. Yes, but it's Jason, really well done. But Jason has been like he he gets pictures with Star Trek guys while wearing his post atomic horror shirt. There are a few different pictures of him with like John Delancey and Patrick Stewart. Like with wearing, you know, representing the show, which is just fantastic. He's he's a great guy, and you should you should check out what he's doing. Um. Oh, our our next supplemental episode's coming up soon, wherein we will answer your mail. So if you want to write to us, ask us about what we think, or 
Uh, there, there's more than a couple of pieces of mail about uh, past tense in there. So if you want to weigh in on that, you, mm-hmm. you go right ahead. As long as you don't come in with the wrong answer. Well, you're right now the only regular guest that has the opinion that we have. Everyone else. Ah, uh-uh. I am the only regular guest who is correct. <laughs> I try not to play that game. Correct. I'm right about this. And all of these other people are not right. I try not to do that, but you can do that. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to weigh in about that, if you have questions about, about anything we've talked about or, or whatever, like anything about Star Trek, just just write to us post or at Gmail. Uh, two episodes from now, we'll be we'll be answering the pile of questions. We got a healthy pile there now, mm. so so it's cool. Uh, and that is that. Amanda, do you have anything you want to tell people about? Uh yes, actually. Um, it's not Star Trek related. Not yet, anyway. No, but I usually give people an opportunity to promote their stuff. I just wasn't sure if you were ready yet. Uh, yeah, I um, just recently launched my photography website. I've been uh, posting on Tumblr a photo a day for the last... And you uh, bought like a proper like good camera. Like You're doing semi-professional level photography. You're not just snapping stuff with your phone. Like You're, mm-hmm. you're no, taking no, this pretty I've, damn I've, seriously. I've taken some classes. I have some equipment. I've done some like uh, sort of planned photo shoots and stuff and like i say it's not star trek related but um right but we're not looking at instagram galleries of your lunch is what i'm saying no this is it's, proper it's, photography. it's actual photography i've done i've done some event photography for live uh for live events mm-hmm. not just not just the post-atomic horror ones but also the post-atomic horror right. ones and um some some staged photography and some nature photography and some and uh, i've done for the last uh, couple of years i've been doing a photo a day on tumblr and so i wanted to put everything into one place and right. that's uh giant black um so if you want to check that out it's there right so with that uh we will go away and we'll be back in a week so matt say your thing see you folks The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.